When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit childandfamilyresourcenetwork.org today. All right, it's been a couple weeks, but we're back. The triumphant return of another Carolina podcast with no shortage of things to talk about this week. I'm your host, Pearson Fowler. You can catch me weekdays from 12 to 1 on 107.5 The Game, the home of the Gamecocks. And with me, as always, Chris Clark and Wes Mitchell. I call them Westifer and Chrisley, so I almost got tongue-tied over my own stupidity there. Uh, But plenty to talk about. We had the (laughs) NFL draft this past weekend. Uh, Also this past weekend, big recruiting weekend for the Gamecocks looking ahead to the classes of 2020 and 2021 but we'll go ahead and get started with a quick recap of the NFL draft for those of you that haven't seen that didn't watch or that somehow missed it over the last six days Debo Samuel uh, was drafted in the second round with pick number 36 to the San Francisco 49ers Rashad Fenton went in the sixth round pick number 201 to the Kansas City Chiefs Uh, also in the sixth round Dennis Daly went to the Carolina Panthers that was kind of cool always like to see Gamecocks staying around South Carolina. Like I remember when Eric Norwood was on the practice squad for the Panthers for a couple years. That was always kind of exciting because I love that dude. Uh, also signing as a undrafted free agent, Zach Bailey went to Tampa Bay. Keyshawn Nixon to Oakland. Blake Camper signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. And Bryson Allen Williams signing with the Oakland Raiders. Guys, not a, a lot of huge surprises here uh, other than maybe Rashad Fenton creeping up into the sixth round. I, I had seen... Projections for Dennis Daly anywhere between four and seven, and then Debo went about where uh, he was projected to go. Where I mean, were you surprised to see Rashad Vinton jump up into the sixth round like that? Uh, not really. I think my my biggest surprise was that Zach Bailey didn't get drafted at all. I, I thought he would sneak into the draft somewhere. I, I thought that you know this time last year, or, or a little bit before this time last year. There, there was talk about, you know, is Zach Bailey going to stay for his senior year? And he was looking at, you know, hearing what, you know, what they projected him as. And then next thing you know, uh, here we are, goes through a senior year, moved back to what I think was his more natural position at left guard, and then um, doesn't get drafted at all. I thought that was a surprise. Um, you know, Muschamp actually mentioned that, you know, Keyson Nixon was a guy who, would have been drafted late if not for his neck injury and that the Raiders had had their eye on him really for a long time. So uh, otherwise, though, I, I wouldn't say really many surprises. Debo, I feel like, went almost exactly um, where he was projected. And uh, I don't know about you, Chris, but I, the more I think about where he went, I think that's like a really good fit for Debo because, A, if you look at the numbers from the 49ers receivers last year, like nobody – really had remotely not even prolific but nobody had like even good numbers for the 49ers at wide receiver um you know I think maybe their their best receiver had like 500 yards receiving or something yeah let me uh, tell y'all as as the proud fantasy owner of a San Francisco 49ers wide receiver those Marquise Goodwin is just very very disappointing if you participated in any part of San Francisco's offense last year yeah and uh you know Garoppolo was hurt I guess and they'll uh they'll get him back and 
And I, you know what? I think Shanahan is is a good young offensive mind. I, I think um, Debo walks into a place where they have a quarterback, they have a a good offensive scheme. I think, and they have a ton of opportunity for him to play. And all those things should add together. Um, you know, I, I saw some of the the projections or or the odds for rookie of the year, and I, I think Debo's. Uh, among the top ten guys on on there from one of the Vegas um, spots, and I and I agree with that. You know, I think he'll have every opportunity if you throw in, um, you know, what he can do in the kickoff return game too. Um, I think it's a good spot for him. Definitely take a flyer there, and it's it's one of those things like you mentioned with Jimmy G coming back. It could be a situation where San Francisco's offense takes a huge leap, and a lot of it's because of the quarterback. But if it's a newcomer who comes in and you know, has a thousand yard season or whatever, he could end up stealing a lot of headlines. And Wes, I appreciate you going there. You you correctly anticipated where I wanted to go. So I'll ask you now, Chris, of the guys that have signed contracts with the NFL, both drafted and undrafted, who do you think landed in the best spot for their career? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I would have to agree with Wes that it's Debo simply because you look, like you said, I mean, George Kittle was their leading receiver. He's really good at tight end. He had over a thousand yards. But aside from that, their second leading receiver is Kendrick Bourne, had 42 catches, 487 yards, and then a fullback was their third leading receiver. So, you know, probably not ideal. Um, so uh, I would Juice Check, is that his name? Y- is yeah, that say that's that? it, Kyle. And so I think that that would, that would have to be the best situation. And Debo can also do several things for you. You know, he can play inside, he can play outside, and he can contribute as a special teams returner or – as a gunner on special teams. I mean, we saw that big play he made at the end of the year in the Akron game. He's got a lot of athleticism. Special teams players are very valuable in rosters in the NFL. Um, so with his skill set, the need that's there offensively and what all he can do, that's got to be – I mean, you'd be hard-pressed to say – to me, to say anybody else. We've seen the framework for a guy like that to come in and have success early too. When you look just a couple years ago at Farrow Cooper – and we can argue about you know who's better, whose skill set is better suited for the NFL. Uh, but regardless, he was a guy that came in and had the potential to be versatile and was an all-pro in his first year just as a specialist um, with the Rams. So certainly a lot of opportunity for Debo and, and probably more of an opportunity, and, and again, hopefully in an even better situation because you're going to have, as you mentioned, Shanahan and you're going to have Jimmy G throwing you the ball. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, not that we have to have that conversation, but I, I think Debo does have a bit more NFL upside than than Pharaoh and uh, and I, I think he'll get more opportunities right off the bat actually as a receiver versus just having to sort of make your way you know as a special teams guy um, you know and the other fits are, are sort of interesting I, I know the Chiefs really struggled on defense so um, that's a position I, I think they I think they added multiple defensive backs um, in the draft in this offseason so that, that'll be interesting to see where Rashad fits in and um, you know, I was looking at some of the comments from, you know, Marty Herney, the GM for the Panthers, and they, I, I guess every team is high on every guy they pick. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Just like every coach on signing day is high on their recruiting class. But uh, they, they do seem very high on Dennis Daly's upside and, and actually mentioned that, you know, as a JUCO guy, um, really still hasn't just played a ton as far as, like, high-level reps. Obviously, he played – he started for for most of two years for South Carolina, um, but he was a JUCO before that. I know he was a really considered a raw player out of high school originally. So uh, I think their thought process there is: look, this is a big kid. He has played in the SEC a couple years. He's athletic, and um, there's plenty there's plenty for him to grow. I, I think into into a spot. And the Panthers have 
you know, obviously Greg Little is going to get more um, of an opportunity first, and he'll be talked about more. But the Panthers, uh, I know I'm a Panthers fan. Chris is a Panthers fan. I don't know if – are you a Panthers fan or not yeah, really? Yeah, I grew up a Panther fan. Yeah, it's their offensive line can use all the help they can get, yeah, I feel always. like. There's always. an opportunity for him to be – you know, I don't want to pl- place those types of expectations, but, I mean, he should be on the depth chart like now. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. He's I mean, in the two deep, no by the way. I mean, yeah. And, and little yeah, just have a is, pulse and you're on the two deep on Carolina's yeah. offensive line. Yeah, I mean, you're you're almost – I mean, really you're projecting probably little to be the starter there yeah. you know, this year. Um, and then they got some other guys who were sort of swing guys that they used last year. And um, Daly could be one of those types of guys. But he had a really good year. I mean, I think you give him he a was lot awesome. of credit he, for he, uh, he gave up, I think, five, maybe six sacks on the year. And three or four of those were to Josh Allen. And then he yeah. had a streak of six or seven games where he didn't even allow a sack. Yeah, I mean, he had a terrible game against Josh Allen, which a lot of people did. And he's the number seven pick in the draft, so you'll forgive him for that. Right. And then after that, like you said, he, I mean, the Clemson game, I don't believe he gave up a sack. He had mm-hmm. a really good game against Cleveland Farrell and, you know, all those guys. So um, he had a really good year. Uh, I think it was, I think he could have gone a little bit higher. I think sort of the four to six range was where he was sort of pegged. Right. And, and, so. and like between like four, five, six, seven, it seems like that's all kind of a wash. Like there's, mm-hmm. I, I don't mm-hmm. have the numbers in front of me, but it wouldn't surprise me if the percentage of seventh round draft picks that panned out was roughly equivalent to fourth-round draft picks that panned out. I was a little bit surprised that both of y'all jumped on Debo as quickly as you did for the best landing spot. I mean, obviously, he was the best prospect. There's a reason that he went in the second round as opposed to uh, the sixth or undrafted. But I thought, and we touched on it a little bit, both Fenton and Daly are going to mm-hmm. have at least as good a chance to come in and contribute right away because of the problems that the Panthers have had on the offensive line. And there is a picture just floating around Twitter uh, sort of after the draft of, of just what the Chiefs defensive backfield depth chart was and everyone was just like lol but i saw that and i was like this is a great opportunity for Rashad Fenton to come in and to make an impact right away and all of a sudden if that group is overachieving sort of like what we were talking about with Debo being a you know a factor in San Francisco turning its offensive woes around if the chief secondary overachieves it's very very low expectations they're probably going to be looking at the guy and again this all assumes that he's going to play but i think he's yeah. i think he has proven that he's good enough to at least be out there in some capacity, even if it's just as like a nickel or a backup corner. I think that's a great landing spot for him. The only two guys that I look at and I say this is not an ideal situation is uh, Zach Bailey and Bryson Allen Williams going to I don't know I don't know if I would rather be a Bucks fan or a Raiders fan. Because the Bucks are terrible just because they're terrible and the Raiders are terrible because John Gruden's like trying to gut the roster and like tank. They're trying to be terrible. Yeah, to, they're to they're trying to be, be terrible. better later. So I don't know I don't know what's worse, but I feel really bad for both of those guys because that's NFL purgatory right there. Well, and I, I that's where I was gonna go. Which guy do y'all think that went undrafted has the best chance at just being that guy that sticks around and has a long NFL career? Because I you know what I I feel like even watching these guys for four and five years, it's been very hard for me to peg. Like, I'll be like, oh, I think that guy will stick in the league for a long time. And then they, they're they done in two years. Or sometimes guys that I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. And they they find a way to stick out in the league for, you know, you look six years later, they're still in the league. Um, some guys find a way to stick around. And, and sometimes you have to go, you know, it's practice squad for – a couple of years, and then you special special teams is a, a great avenue into the league, and uh, you sort of go from there. But I mean, Demir Bird stuck in the league way longer than I than I thought he would. I mean, he's um, still on the Panthers, right? He, he's dealt with a lot of injuries the last couple of years, but he, he he's, he's in still? there from time to time. Yep. Um, and then uh, you know Isaiah Johnson obviously was just here for a year, but he's uh, he just got a new contract with the Bucks not too long ago, I think. So 
it, it's been tough for me to peg, but who do you all think, just from what we've seen, I guess Zach Bailey's probably the easy answer. Yeah, but, Bailey. Um, and by, Birds with the Cardinals, I messed up on that. Yeah, I, him earlier I this thought spring. I saw that he left. But um, uh, the Cardinals are collecting former Gamecocks. They are. They're stocking them. Yeah, it's got to be Bailey though. I mean, because I think he's the guy that has, you know, Bryson Allen Williams maybe could have been more of that guy if he, you know, his testing numbers hurt him and the injury history in terms of getting more looks or getting that free agent contract. He's got really what adds up to a tryout with the, with the Raiders right now, um, but. I think he's a he's a great locker room guy and he's a good player. I mean, he's got some really good film from his college days. He just unfortunately had some injuries, um, and then his testing numbers I think slipped him too. Um, but Bailey is I think who you would point to because you know he has versatility. He has a lot of SEC experience and he can he's played he's played every position. Hasn't he? I mean, I can't I don't think yeah, he, he played left tackle no, in Carolina, but he played the other four. Yeah, I mean, he's so, played guard, tackle, center. Yeah. So, you know, if and you group it you. like that, he's played everywhere. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that'd probably be my pick, too. I think it's I think it's safer because he is just kind of, like, a sure thing, and even if he's not going to be a star, like, we're, like his his floor, I feel like, is higher than the other three guys. He at least seems like he could be, you know, a backup or, at the very worst, like a, you know, practice squad kind of guy. Uh, with Nixon and with Camper and Alan Williams, I'm not so sure. Alan Williams, I— I looked at I looked at him when you asked me that question, and I thought, you know, that's a guy that is just that by all indications, everything that the coaching staff and people around the team have said just has an incredible work ethic, and those guys seem to just you know succeed in the NFL. You know, even if you don't have the physical st- skills, you can work hard enough to just earn that job. But he's such a tweener. He doesn't. I mean, he was he was a tweener in the SEC. He's going to be even more of a tweener in the NFL. He's not big enough to be on the line. He's not fast enough to really be a true linebacker. I mean, they. He is listed as a linebacker now, uh, you know, for the Raiders or when the Raiders signed him. It was linebacker Bryson on Williams. He doesn't have that kind of speed. And, you know, frankly, I don't know. I know I know Coach Muschamp liked him a lot, and I, I think he had a good last year here in Columbia. But I guess last season before he got injured, I just I, I thought that he didn't do a lot of things well that I would have liked to see someone like that do very well. So, again, as much as I would like to pick him because it seems like he's just a, a high-character guy that's just going to work really hard, I feel like it's just it's just going to be too hard to for him to stick in the league as a tweener. You look at someone like uh like Devontae Holloman who had trouble in the league, and I think obviously it was it was a neck injury that ended his mm-hmm. career in the NFL more than not being able to fit in. But he was really really good at Carolina, and you know was a little bit bigger than uh, than Bryson Allen Williams, I think, and so not quite as much of a tweener. But even him, it took him a while for him to settle into that role um, in Dallas. So that's sort of I guess the upside that I would maybe look at for Allen Williams, and then I think. Holloman then even ended up playing uh, safety for Dallas, where he was playing more of like that linebacker kind of spur hybrid here at Carolina. So I'll I'll go boring and agree with y'all and say it's probably Bailey. Yeah, I think um I think Holloman ended up playing linebacker. Was at, that it with the cow? I think he was more more well, they, of a linebacker he was than more, a safety. He was more safety spur here, and then I think they they put weight on him as opposed yeah, to yeah that sounds it right. off. He had to, mention that. I think maybe because of injury, but he ended up playing middle linebacker yeah. his last season. Um, had a really had a nice year. Yeah, but I, but and like I said at the beginning though, it's just it's really hard. I feel like, and some of it is going to be about the situation, and probably deeper into the situation than we even know. Like what, it's not even really about the starters for some of these guys. It's like which practice players do they have that they really like that they see a future with? Which special team spots are they looking for a very particular skill set to take over? Um, you know, and and I'm I'm hopeful for Bryson. That he can, you know, maybe stick as a practice squad player at first, and then get on special teams, and then sort of 
find a way. And I, I don't even know enough about the Raiders' defensive scheme as far as how they use their linebackers. You know, are, are they more four down front, three down? With I think with, they're mostly just bad. Well, yeah. Yeah, the, their, their defensive scheme is traded Khalil Mack. That's what scheme they run. Traded Khalil Mack and then complained about not having pass rushers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Incredible. So, yeah, that's that's the one thing. When you look at Zach Bailey and Keyshawn Nixon and Bryson Williams going to the Bucks and then the Raiders, respectively, and I mentioned earlier, those are just, I mean, that's the black hole of the NFL. On the one hand, because those teams are bad, you feel like all three of these guys will have more of a chance to come in and make an impact right away because there's no one else good on that team. But on the other hand, you just don't trust you don't trust franchises like that that just have a lot of roster turnover, so I, I really don't know uh, what to make of those guys. And then we haven't even really mentioned Camper um, as a Charger. That's one that, I mean, that's a good team. They do have some stability there, but on the other hand, they have stability there, and so there's not as much turnover in the roster, so you wonder if if he's a guy that is just kind of destined for the practice squad this year and, and what might have happened if he did end up in, in sort of a Tampa Bay or in Oakland. But a uh, pretty good haul uh, after... Uh, after all said and done, seven Gamecocks at least getting some kind of contract in the immediate aftermath of the draft, including the four un, uh, undrafted free agents. The numbers here. are going up. Yeah. They're not, I think, where Muschamp or anybody that's a Carolina fan wants them to be. But they're, I mean, it was, what, one with Hayden last year and zero the year before. Right. And, and I mean, this year, going into the draft, I would have said four guys would probably sign contracts. I would have thought the first four that did, Debo, uh, Daly, Fenton, and Bailey. I wouldn't have expected mm-hmm. Nixon, Camper, and Alan Williams to get those uh, undrafted free agent contracts right after the draft. Except that Keyshawn Nixon, like, out of nowhere. I remember, dur- I guess it was during like the Combine or during Pro Day. Or it would have been during Pro Day because he wasn't at the Combine. But didn't he run like a 4-3 or something ridiculous? He, he averaged, his, his averages, you know, however many 40s he ran at Pro Day, averaged like a 4-4. Four, four. He might have had was one that, that was in like, the 4-3s. During all of the seasons. Well, I feel like I mean, he was always getting beat deep. Was that was that more positional stuff than his speed? Yeah, I think it was more just technique yeah. type things. That and, blew um, me away. I was like, "There's no way he was." Yeah, did play hurt some. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> so I, you know, and he's got that. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was pretty highly recruited um, out of JUCO, and uh, I believe everybody runs together at some point for me. But didn't he play a lot of? Rec- he played receiver. Early on, I feel like uh, in his career, I, you know, I might be mixing him up, but um, I think he was always viewed as a guy that has some upside, and I expected him to have a really big senior year, and then he had some good moments and he had some down moments, and um, but apparently the Raiders, you know, Muschamp talked about him on was that Monday or Tuesday, whenever that was Monday, that uh, basically, you know, the Raiders had had their eyes on him and and really wanted the guy, and and that's a guy they maybe would have drafted late if not for the injury. So, uh, And, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's just hard to say. And to your larger point, like it's just a good time the numbers are going up. Your co-worker here, Chris, uh, Chris Lee Clark, wrote a, a nice little write-up about the upcoming prospects. Everyone's putting out their 2020 mock draft, which is just absolutely stupid. I hate that people do that this early. But just what Gamecocks people will have an eye on. And you mentioned probably 10 or 12 names without counting. I don't have it right in front of me. And you all should obviously go check that out on Gamecock Central. But you have the headliners. You have the Jake Bentley. And, you know, you mentioned Shai Smith. And obviously Brian Edwards is going to be in there. And you have, you know, some of those guys, DJ Wanham, and then like a whole crew of other guys that could possibly find themselves in this undrafted free agent signing a contract on Sunday kind of territory. And that's exactly what you want to see. That I mean, that's a very clear indication of this thing moving in the right direction. Who are we talking about? One year from today, as being drafted first, 
Kinlaw. Brian I think. Edwards. I think it's Kinlaw. That's who I'd pick. That's who I would pick too. I I think that's probably the safest because I I think Kinlaw. Now whether Kinlaw and I, I think you probably made this point. Whether Kinlaw goes like first round or not, or like fourth round, is going to entirely depend on what he does this season. But I think Kinlaw is the guy that has the skill set already, the size, the speed at that size, the strength. He's drafted, I think, third or fourth round, just almost based on that alone, I feel like, because the NFL guys are going to fall in love with this this dude that is that big yet that quick. Yeah, and I think last year was probably a frustrating year when you're looking at his as prospects, especially to be playing in the NFL, mm-hmm. because it wasn't a great statistical year. But if you watch the games, you know, most of the football games I would watch at least at least more than once, and you can see that he is absolutely devastating on like so many plays where nothing good ends up happening because everyone else on that defense was either out of position or you know just getting their butts blocked off or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll be really curious to see now that they have a little bit more depth, a little bit more talent, a little more experience for some of those younger guys that didn't exactly know where to be on the defensive line, and then hopefully some improvement at the linebacker position. I think we'll see his productivity skyrocket. So that's a really good pick. My Brian Edwards pick is mostly just wishful thinking because I've said ever since his freshman year, that dude looks like an NFL receiver, and I just mm-hmm. want it to be the case of Ed, and he still could be. He's got to be a lot more productive and obviously struggled with drops a little bit last year. But, but I mean, Edwards looks as much like a pro receiver as anyone you're going to find. I and, mean, it's just it's tougher with skill guys sometimes because mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're not. I don't want to say they're dime a dozen in the NFL, but a little bit more. Um, you know, Edwards for me, I mean, the question is just consistency. Um, what is he going to run? Is sort of hard that's, to peg. Yeah, you know, that's that's a big thing. Yeah, but what, what Alshon Jeffrey run? Well, but Alshon but, Jeffrey but Alshon's just, a different beast. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I he's not, he is he's a better vertical receiver. But what what maybe Alshon has over Brian in terms of his verticality. Edwards probably has a little bit in speed, but he's also big. He's big and physical. Not as big or as physical as Alshon. Alshon but just a little ran, bit quicker. I think this says he ran. Let's see what he ran. He's sl- and he's well, he slimmed down for the combine. Mm-hmm. But uh Yeah, remember when everyone thought he was stayed, fat his senior yeah, year? Yeah, he's he's stayed a little bit he's played a little bit slimmer in the NFL than he did in college. But but Alshon was just Alshon was a freak. You threw the ball up, Alshon was gonna catch it like Almost every time he I ran a four four eight. Really, Alshon did. God, no way. At six three two twenty with his tape. So because it doesn't look like it with those long legs, he takes like six steps and he's yeah. done. And you're like, and that's he was a still flavor. a second rounder. No. So I mean, yeah. that, that's what you know. And you look at got like running backs different than receiver, but like Travion Williams from A and M ran for like eighteen hundred yards last year, and I think he went in the sixth round. Well, that has more to do with running backs. Than yeah, anything, a little but. bit. But you've seen we've seen a lot of good receivers. We've even seen some come out early. That shouldn't have maybe, but they they've slipped, and and these are guys that their numbers are either comparable or maybe even better, and maybe they're even a little bit more explosive than Edwards. Now they don't maybe have the ball skills that he does. I just think it's tough. You know, I think even if he has a a pretty darn good year next year, a lot of people like a lot of people like if a receiver has a great year, people are like, oh he's a first round pick. <laughs> you know, yeah. well there's only thirty two of those. You know. Like, there's a lot of really and good players. And most of those are going to be defensive players if the last couple drafts have been an indication. Yeah, I mean, linemen and, and quarterbacks, yeah. there's always going to be a run on. So, I mean, it's it, it's sort of like in recruiting, Wes, like when, when a guy, like I remember Pharaoh, he was really good in high school. He started out as a two-star. Everybody knew that was bunk. He moves up, but then, you know, well, he should be a five-star. Yeah, just right. because he's yeah. a really good player, it's like, well, no, not not. 
you know, so I think it's just important with the whole draft thing to, to keep some perspective about it. And I think, I think you know, that's why I'd pick Kinlaw, just because he's a lineman. He's got some freakiness about him that teams are going to like. Well, and I uh, I always thought it was interesting whether you believe or not the pro football focus grades, like whether you, you know, think that they're accurate or not. But Kinlaw was pretty much by far the highest graded South Carolina football player last year for the season, which those grades try to take into account what you're talking about, not necessarily production, but did you do what you were supposed to do mm-hmm. on any given play? Did you do, you know, did you make a big play? Did you basically go above and beyond on any particular play? Um, and he had, I think, the two the two best graded games. You know, his Vanderbilt game. I was like, the Vanderbilt game was, he I would guess that was number one for him. Yeah, he, he graded like a 94, I think, which on their grading scale is like elite of the elite. Um and then uh, I think against Akron of all teams, he he had a huge day and graded like a ninety. Um, but his overall, so he was the only person that showed up for that game. <laughs> yeah, it is uh, his overall grade for the year was like an eighty four, I think, which is really really good on on their scales. And so, he played hurt. And he played hurt for he a had lot the of hip that. injury that he um, eventually got surgery so for. I mean, so there there's to your point, there's a lot to like about Javon Kinlaw as a player. And the NFL teams are going to say we can get more out of him because he's still, you know, a guy that just has not played a ton of football, especially inside. You know, you're talking about a kid that was like a tight end slash defensive end in high school was, you know, tiny. he was never really tiny, but as far as weight, uh, was not a big kid. And then he moves inside at JUCO. Then he slims down, and you know, at USC. And just he, he's not had a ton of reps at a high level, at the current size that he's at. So they're going to say, hey, we could get a lot more out of this guy. Really looking forward to, to I think he's going to have a big year. Again, not even because I think he's necessarily going to be better, because I think he had really good games, as you're mentioning, had really good games without necessarily having the statistics to back it up. But I feel like we're going to see a little bit more of that. I'm still going to go Brian Edwards just to be different, and also because I feel I feel like the potential, I mean, Brian Edwards, if, if I tell you that he has, you know, 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns next year, y'all, y'all wouldn't be surprised. He's got that potential. He's got crazy upside. He's got crazy upside. I love his physicality. Good feet. He has shown that he's got strong hands. He can go up and get a ball. I don't know. I've, just, I've, just, I've always liked Brian Edwards. Maybe this is like one of my blind spot things where I just really liked him as a freshman, and so I'm going to overrate him for the rest of his career. Maybe. Yep. yep. No, no. All right. I'm... All right. Y'all both hate Brian Edwards. Moving on. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the, the other just side kidding, of this. Just Brian. Huh? I said just kidding, Brian. Nah, dude. Brian, I'm your guy right here. Um, come on my show. Come talk about uh, I don't know how much, how much better you're gonna be than everyone thinks this year. How much better you're gonna be than Wes and, than Wes and Chris are giving you credit for. Uh, the other side of this, obviously, talking about Gamecocks making it to the pros. Before they do that, they got to come to South Carolina. And this past weekend, big recruiting weekend, a lot of big names in town. Um, even though it's the off season, that's always been kind of weird to me. I feel like the biggest recruiting visits, like, are normally in season. That's when I schedule all my big recruiting visits in NCAA football like 2014 or whatever. Um, but who were some of the big names and what were some of the reactions that you heard uh, from some of the notables coming into Columbia this past weekend? Uh, Tank Bigsby be the guy you got to start with um, because of the position he plays at running back. He's one of the best in the country at that position. So, you know, uh, nothing terribly new there after the visit, but, I mean, he's been on campus numerous times this year already. Remains a huge priority. It's an all-SEC battle with 
LSU, Tennessee, Georgia, Auburn also in the mix. South Carolina's gotten into good position there. I think they've maintained and, and even improved upon that. So feedback was still positive, uh, probably even more positive than, than usual with Tank and um, heading into sort of probably a summer decision sometime before his senior year. And so South Carolina's got to try to hold on there, but that was another big big step for them. Um, also had some offensive linemen in town that were an important, you know, uh, Kobe Baines, a recent offer from Jacksonville. Um, had a couple underclassmen from Georgia, and Michael Morris and TJ Ferguson, and then uh, Javion Cohen, you know, who was committed to South Carolina for a short time out of Alabama. That was another key for them to get him uh, on campus for another visit. Wes, zooming out a little bit, more big picture. Chris and I talked about this a little bit on our local show just about an hour ago. We had somebody ask Chris what he thought the over-under was, or he said if the over-under for five-star guys in the 2020 class is one and a half. Because the 2019 class, you got Zach Pickens. That's one five-star guy. And he's looking for, you know, movement in the right direction. We were talking about seeing more Gamecocks get drafted or at least sign undrafted free agent deals. You got to see that on the front end, too, I think, by and large. You got to see an increase of those four and five-star guys. Got to get to that blue chip ratio, which I've recently become enamored with. I think it's really smart. When you're looking at, again, zooming out, looking at the 2020 class and the 2021 classes, Carolina just got his first commit for 2021. Very exciting. What do you think? Over, under, one and a half, five-star guys in 2020? I still think you have to go under. Um, just because I'm trying to, and I'm thinking about our rankings as well, and the the number of five, like true five-star guys that they're in on, um, you know, it's not a ton of them. I, I, I would say under, I, I think they can get one, I think, in a, you know, in a Jordan Birch. I, I think in order to get a second, it would be a situation where um, maybe a four-star guy that we're already talking about gets that bump up to five star status, but if we're ca- talking about like just the current five star guys, then I it would be a pretty easy under for me. Um, could it end up being where it, the final rankings it ends up being you know a couple of five stars? I could see it, but I would feel pretty comfortable, you know. I, I think going under on that, but I you know I, I think if you know and, and Jordan Birch was not in the group that was on campus this past weekend, but um, he's right up there as one of the most key guys in this class for just numerous reasons and I, I think not not only the fact that he's a great football player but he's at a position where you have to continue to get great football players that you could turn around and team him up with Zach Pickens on the defensive line um, he's a different player than Zach Pickens whereas Zach's more of a you know versatile inside outside guy that that does you know pass rush can stop the run, you know, can hold up inside as well. Birch is more of a true pass rush, long, lean, athletic guy that I think they're, you know, they're going to need, especially with DJ Wanham graduating after this season. Um, you know, I, I say that to say I, I don't think that's going over, but I, I still think if the answer ends up being just one, then that is still a huge sign of progress because you're also talking about beating Clemson head-to-head on an in-state guy for the second straight year, and in a time period which we're in right now where the two teams really just don't butt heads on their recruiting trail head-to-head very often at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that progress you're talking about. It's incremental, and then you also got to look at that next group of guys because the blue chip ratio isn't all about five-star guys because there's only a handful of those. It's four- and five-star guys, so the thing that mm-hmm. I wonder and the thing that you mentioned, someone that Carolina's already pursuing – like a tank's big B, tank Bigsby maybe being bumped up. And well, you look at He's some, right there, too. Right. Like I, I think he's – is he 32nd in the country? Yeah, he's in the 
I was going to say either 30s or yeah, 40s. Yeah, Chris mentioned to me earlier that he was, he was pretty close. And, and I wonder, like, I don't know what the final aggregate would be or where Helensky ended up, but he seems like just a five-star guy, as much attention as he's gotten, as much talent as he have uh, yeah. has. Obviously, he's a four-star guy. When all said and done, he could end up, you know, if he's as good as everyone says he's going to be, it's going to be the equivalent of having a five-star for Carolina. How close did he end up to being five-star? Do you know off the top of your head, Chris? I know Ryan was the number three pro-style quarterback in the country. Um, he's probably he finished in the 40s. I took, I believe, um, and it was what, like 20 or 25. While we're right here, he was 45, so like so, 20 off or whatever. Yeah, probably about 20 off. I mean, it, it depends on the class. You'll normally get anywhere from the low 20s. I mean, sometimes you'll get like I feel like I've recalled maybe a year where there's 30 or so five stars. It, it feels like 25 is kind of the there were thirty. There were thirty-five stars last year. I think. I think they bumped that number up. I think it was in the twenties. So yeah, there were thirty-five stars. So he's fifteen away. Pretty yeah. close. So is is the number forty-five player in the country really any different than the number thirty player in the country? Fifteen like, spots, Wes. This like is not, all that matters is the recruiting rankings. Don't you know this? <laughs> yeah. So not you know, in reality, there's not. You're you're splitting hairs basically, and you're. I mean, you're talking about what two according to these rankings, two pro-style quarterbacks that they're saying are better than Ryan Helensky in the entire country. And you went out to California to land the kid. Like that's And all of a sudden he's like the best ambassador for your school that you've had since Asia Wilson left last year. And right now there's 26 five-stars for the 2020 rankings, and Tank Bigsby is number 31, so he's five away 30, okay. from being there. Wow. So we just need like yep. four of those. We just need, wait, 32 and 26, you 31 said? 31 and... 26. So we just need five of those kids to like get really fat over the summer or something and tank and jump up right. or something. <laughs> Not the <laughs> offensive lineman, though. Being fat would help them. Or for Tank to just, you know. I don't or for know Tank what, to just tank his way through his last season. I don't know what you have to do to move up six spots. It's all it's all splitting hairs. Wes, frankly. do you think anyone named Tank could not be good at football? Especially at a position like running back? Probably not. Excellent. You know what that's called? I know you're trying to. Chris knows what this is called. What's this called, Chris? At at atrophy. <laughs> I forgot. I've already uh, forgot. Brain atrophy and yes. aptronym. Aptronym, yeah. Aptronym is when your name today on mimics. Pearson makes us all feel stupid. No, I just learned he this word. I just learned this that word. We don't. I learned this word like six days ago. I and I wasn't stupid six days ago or seven days ago. It's just a fun thing. There's no reason for you to know this word. Other than if you play a lot of bar trivia, which I kind of do, and it's fun. Okay. But it's an aptronym. So when your name sort of like to mimics the what you do. And so like, Tank Bigsby. Yeah. And traditionally it's it's one of those things where like if your last name was Smith and like your ancestors were probably like blacksmiths or something like that. Um so it, it has or like some Debo, just Debo's people right. on the there, field. There, there, there is some historical precedent for it. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Another Carolina Podcast. I want to remind you, as always, that if you like what you hear and you want us to do more of it, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. That really does uh, help us keep doing this. Also want to remind you to subscribe to the Gamecock Central newsletter, which you get every weekday morning. Um, it's great. It's free. And if you're not a member of the site, it's a great way to keep up with everything that's going on. And if you do want to be a member of the site and you're maybe a little bit on the fence about it, here's an exclusive podcast code for you. If you just go to Gamecock Central and use the code GCPOD, you get 30 days as a member for free. So you can try it out and you're, of course, going to love it and then sign up long term. But that gets you 30 days for free. Just use the code GCPOD. We'll talk to you next week.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.